Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Mike McPeak, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Julie Keel. Greetings. And um, keeping with our recent trend of having monosyllabic single-word titles uh, for our <laughs> movies, we're going to be doing Equilibrium. So we'll start with the, uh, the synopsis. In a futuristic world, a strict regime that has eliminated war by suppressing emotions, um, books, art, and music are strictly forbidden, and feeling is a crime punishable by death. Cleric John Preston is a top-ranking government agent responsible for destroying those who resist the rules. When he misses a dose of prosium, a mind-altering drug that hinders emotion, Preston, who has been trained to enforce the strict laws of the new regime, suddenly becomes the only person capable of overthrowing it. Okay, so I, I watched this movie, and I don't know how to feel about it, or maybe that's the point. Maybe I shouldn't feel about it. Yeah, uh, well, you know, you would be a law-abiding <laughs> citizen then. <laughs> uh, that kind of sucks. Um, this, so, okay. this, no, go ahead. This really had a feel of like a modern 1984 to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. I. I I've never watched, and uh, I need to read 1984. I know all the memes, so I've never read or watched it. So I, I need to sit down and get acquainted with that. But, uh, I mean, overall, what was you guys' impression of this movie? <laughs> I like I liked it, but I, it was um, kind of... Uh, suspend disbelief in spots? Oh, yeah, totally. Well, the idea yeah. that, that uh, <clears throat> nobody's ever going to miss a dose... And then and then they give the doses in these crystal vials that you know break as soon as they drop like that. Right. And okay. that you have like, to stand in line to get refills. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. There there was some of that stuff though, but it. I thought it was really interesting, given the current climate of you know emotions yeah. running just just bubbling under the surface or maybe bubbling over the surface in at least America at the present day. You know, this idea of we could solve all our problems if we just got rid of emotions was an interesting time to watch this movie. Right. That's the kind of thing that I always find kind of like uh, silly. Like you hear hear about, uh, you always hear people complain like with with what's going on with you guys in the States right now. And um, like, when you when you hear about social protests, like you know, when we had the the G eight uh, summit here, and there was you know stuff, and people say, "Oh, I wish they would just calm down." Well, like no, nothing ever changed in a democracy by people being calmed down. Like <laughs> that's just kind of the way it is. You know, if you if you want to really have change, you can. Like you, you look at our two countries and how we both sep you know separated ourselves from Britain. You could do it the way you guys did it, or you could wait like 150 years <laughs> and take the long road that we did and, and get to essentially the same place, right? Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that um, it, it, everything goes back to Star Trek. Um, you know, hmm. the, the moral of the story for this movie is the same moral of the story in Star Trek all the time that was repeated, like every third episode, that, you know, humans may be ugly and, and imperfect yeah. or whatever, but we are human. And our feelings and our emotions and our gut instincts and our illogic is what makes us who we are, what we are, makes us, it makes us good. 
I mean, it, well, it's the way it's supposed there's to be. There's that Winston Churchill thing that democracy is the worst form of government except for all the others. Right. And it's it's like that with, with emotions. Emotions are, you know, terrible except for the only thing worse than emotions is not having them. Right. right? <laughs> That's always my line. The only thing worse than having a mother is not having one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, um, and – you know, our you know, you were talking about the way our two countries was formed. I mean, our revolution was really you know driven by you know emotions um, sure. because they always because are. well, yeah. But I mean, you know, ours and I think as a country, we've kind of tapped into that uh, because you know, Jeff, you commented uh, from time to time, especially when we did um, oh, what was that uh, asteroid movie um, Armageddon. with the American Armageddon? Yeah, with all the flags yeah. in it. Uh, you know, and like I say. It's almost be, we're almost like the opposite of uh, uh, Liberia, the, the country in this movie. Uh, we have taken your know, emotions to, I want to say, an yeah. art form uh, with patriotism. And I mean, look at our advertising, which is designed to tug at your heartstrings and everything else. So I, I would say we're probably like at the exact opposite of yeah. that, where maybe our emotions run a little too high. Um, oh, this movie is kind of like there's so many things that that are like this. Where, you know, it's good to have some, but too much is is not good. Like the whole, right. you know, like you know, in the news now, you see, oh, this is a dangerous form of nationalism. Like, well, you want to have some nation pride, but you don't want to be wearing armbands and throwing the people <laughs> that don't look like you in concentration camps either, right? right? Like, you have to be in the middle, you know. Yeah, and there's a spectrum, right? And you right. know, either end is terrible. So. Well, well, this this movie's based on the premise that there was a World War 3 and I think the idea was they were trying to avoid World War 4 and right. somebody along the way and I guess they referred to him as the father had decided that these were the things that you were going to be allowed to do and these are the things that you were not going to be allowed to do. There were some pretty good um scenes in the movie uh, burning the Mona Lisa um yeah. you know basically Killing somebody over reading, I don't know how it's pronounced. Yeats, Yates, whatever. Yates. Oh, um, Yates. Yeah. So that's a problem when I only see things in print. I always forget how they're pronounced. <laughs> um, but, um, which is interesting too, Yates showed up in Hyperion. Hyperion. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. When, it's the second time one of that the one's clones. popped up. Yeah. yeah. One so, of the clones, and there was a Yates, but yeah. Yeah. So it's. Um, it's interesting how they. Oh God! And the one that the scene that I couldn't even watch. I just I couldn't even. I had to turn the sound off. Even puppies. Um, I know. <laughs> and my and my dog was laying on my lap, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, don't worry, Molly. You know these. You know, I, yeah, I, it was a I little just, tough for me. I couldn't even. I couldn't even. No, I just. Can't. I know. <laughs> so, but it was interesting uh, that you know. Um, you know, you, emotions are. In us. I mean, it's like saying, you know, don't grow. I mean, what the hell? There are so many things that would be easier to get rid of than human emotions. You know, hair, limbs, eyeballs, (laughs) tongues, you know. uh, Maybe something for us to talk about that I think has come up before. But, like, I guess the three of us kind of agree that this kind of a a goal to eliminate emotions, you know, is, is pretty undoable. But... The, their their end goal was to eliminate war and you know have a right. kind of like a so does the means you know, it seemed like a, a more fair society or like where everybody's just kind of raised to the same point 
Well, what about the idea, which you do see in other things, achieving that through developing an artificial intelligence and giving control over to it, over it? So, like, just say, okay, instead of a government, we're going to have this AI. The AI runs the kind of country. Well, yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned everybody. I mean, one of the things that was a hallmark of this society was everybody was equal and everything was the same and you weren't allowed, like, colorful clothing or pictures on the wall. You couldn't even freaking rearrange your desk. Um, I was just going to say. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, the idea of e- equality was taken to the utter extreme, to a ridiculous level of extreme in this movie, which kind of proved that... You know, equality, as much as that's, a you know, especially a cornerstone in America, France as well, you know, all the other democracies, I suppose, um, it may not be as desirable as we think there either, you know. Well, um, let's put it this way. Uh, equality of outcome is different than equality of opportunity. Correct. Uh, and I think that's the what they were trying to go for yeah. equality of op- uh, outcome. Yeah, they, they, and they were making a point. With that, I think yeah. it was right. it was you know if everybody's if everybody's the same, everybody has the same everything. If there's no rich, no poor, no hell, there wasn't even any old. I guess there was young. That was interesting. Um, boy, the family dynamics there. Woof, that was that rough. <laughs> but that's so like uh, World War Two and pre World oh, War Two, wasn't it? That's yeah. Matter of fact, it's well, interesting that the, even the symbols in here were just a tish off from Nazism. Um, they yeah. really did have the, the, I believe, red flag with the white circle in it and a yeah. Eastern Orthodox cross is what it was, um, rather than a swastika in the middle. So it was it was a little weird that way. And, and Having worked in an environment where you were constantly watched and everything you did was recorded and available for public scrutiny, um, I you the the idea of having every damn thing you do uh, be watched from everybody you know your children your your workspace walking down the street you know you know wherever. How people didn't snap, I mean, just didn't utter... I mean, the only way you could possibly keep that going is by drugs. I mean, the level of surveillance and the level of suppressing emotions, you would have to be so drugged out you could barely function. Yeah. Well, well, did anybody uh, uh, spot the irony that, you know, emotions cause us to kill people, so how do we yeah, so we, kill people. we kill people? Right. <laughs> I yeah. did, completely. And, there was and they some, brought, he brought that up at one point. Yep. That, yeah. yeah, and you know, judicial system. You know, you've you've got these clerics who can. Hey, you're having an emotion. Kaboom! You know, isn't, and just blow you away. Isn't it interesting? They're called clerics. Yeah, they're not called yeah. like masters. You know, like a martial arts master or something. They're called clerics, and they wear outfits that you know, just short of a white collar. Sure. Um, that and, and it's like, wait a minute, we're trying to get away from human emotion, but we have clerics. To be okay, and this is interesting. Clerics to be the um, arbiters and the the um, enforcers of you know society norms. So you know, no no statement about anything there either. This this movie is full of just you know commentary on society. I mean, it's just absolutely yeah. full of it. 
Like it, it really does feel like, uh, like you said, like 1984. Like it, it almost feels like it was made from a book, but I don't think it was. No, yeah. Kurt Wimmer. It was written by the director. So yeah, you know what amazed me too is is you um, you got going. It's like well, I had seen in the credits that it was going to be Christian Bale. That was pretty obvious. You know, it was going. Oh, Sean Bean shows up. Quick, time it. How long is he going to last? Yeah, yeah. I thought fifteen <laughs> minutes in. It was like eighteen minutes and twenty three seconds after the start of it. It was like yeah, have, he's. Have gone. you ever seen that YouTube video, the deaths of Sean Bean, where <laughs> no. it just splices them all together? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, apparently I've missed a, a meme here. I may have to go check this out afterwards. <laughs> yep. uh, just uh, look on YouTube. and sur- I think it's called the, the Many Deaths of Sean Bean or something like that. Has, and has he just- ever actually finished an, a movie? Well, he he played the uh, he was the star in Sharps Rifles that TV show, so he made it through. I think to the end of that. I don't think he even died at the end of the series, but yeah, that but might be uh, it. <laughs> well, he's one of those that guys. You know, I looked at him, and went, oh yeah, I've seen that guy. Yeah, um, he's in a lot of things. I mean, heck, he's well, yeah, he's he's, he's never he's and... never the leading man, so no. he never makes it through to the end. And for whatever reason, he like he's in a lot of violent films, and it just seems that he always dies. <laughs> right. Well, go with your strength, I guess. Quickly, um, quickly, he always <laughs> dies quickly into the shows. But you know what? He gets a paycheck for it. I bet. The so. Darn right. Oh, well, He's got a reputation. Uh, oh, Sean Bean's an interesting thing. Heck, he got in a bar fight one time and and was all cut up and decided to finish his beer before. I think he actually sewed up his stitches himself and then went into the to the A and E. Wow. In England, yeah. That's funny. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it oh, was yeah. like what? <laughs> but anyway. Uh, yeah, and this this movie had a style to it. I mean. Um, I found the style kind of interesting, you know, just the way it was shot and, you know, the background and everything. It, you know, that kind of held my attention. Like I say parts of it, you have to suspend disbelief and not worry about the plot line too much. But the, the, the like I said, the way it was shot and uh, the locations, which was, I think they said mostly all in Germany or all in Germany, which, right. again, kind of going back to this fascist uh, – you know, uh, motif because uh, they said somewhere in there that uh, Berlin's got the uh, the right mixture of the fascist looking and modern uh, architecture to kind of give that uh, give it the modern feel, but still the oppressive feel of you know a fascist state. Right. You know, it's interesting too. You talk about the architecture. There was a couple of scenes, but one in particular, I think, where uh, basically. You know, in order to keep you from having any emotions, they removed anything that might elicit emotions. Music, books, um, pictures, you know, artwork, that type of thing. And windows. Um, They had covered up the windows so that you couldn't look out Mm. on the city, which actually when the guy peeled the uh, film off the window was gorgeous and clean. (laughs) Um, So... um, yeah, a nice sunrise coming up over the futuristic modern city. So there's real no time frame in this movie. Um, it doesn't indicate it's like, you know, present day, some alternate well, timeline or future type. It does say World War Three, you know, so near future. Uh, somewhere I read it's set in 2072, so okay. not too far away, what, uh, 50 years approximately away, somewhere in there, 60 years, I guess. I missed that. Um, yeah, I it was. Uh, I don't think it was in the movie. I think it was somewhere in the trivia, somewhere that I read it that uh, the the time frame was kind of set around yeah uh, 
the film takes place in 2072, according to uh, IMDb. So um, about 50 years in the future, enough time for you know mankind to have kind of forgotten World War II and the outcomes of that, and to have another one. Yeah, it's uh, it, and the thing is, when you get that bland, you know, time. There's nothing to show what time no, frame there is. I mean, it's just concrete and black yeah. and, you know, there's just, there's no style to pin it to, so. Yeah, and because they've got rid of all decoration, that makes it even worse. Well, see, even more difficult to pin down a time or anything. You know, and they showed, like, the, the daily grind of, you know, going to work and going home and that type of thing. And it's like, what the heck would you do in a society like that? I mean... You were being watched by every. I mean, obviously there were the watchers, and the cleric's job was to kill the. What they call them? Sense censors. Um, sense criminals. Sense, yeah. Sense criminal. Sense yeah. Crime. Sense crime. Yeah. Um, but you know, somebody had to raise food. I don't know where these people got their food from. Um, yeah. Somebody had to make the dose. I don't know where that job went from because this was very much an urban environment. There was no right travel there was no flying cars there weren't even no. cars were there everybody was walking everywhere um, well re- reading the uh, imdb synopsis it's a, it's a city state so uh i guess we're just left to assume that it comes from outside um from another part of the country that hasn't been you know annihilated in the war or something like that but then again how do you keep the emotions from creeping in from the yeah. outside it's it's one of those things that like you say you have to kind of suspend belief and not yeah. poke the, the it too much because it just falls apart because it is trying to make a point and the only way it can make the point is if it has those very odd boundaries you know um don't don't look at it too closely well, True. the other thing, the other thing I was kind of wondering about, you know, this is kind of for you, Julie, because you've done a certain amount of martial arts stuff. What did you think of the uh, gun kata? I think is what they called it in this movie. Oh, all I could think of was the MythBusters episode where they were trying to dodge bullets and prove that completely <laughs> false. Yeah, um, again, style. Don't poke. Yeah, it, don't poke know. it too much. Um, you know, having done a fair amount of kata and having not done kata in ages, and knowing that I could at least. One I could do in my sleep, um, and I will probably be able to do it till the day I die without even thinking. Um, a couple others that I'd probably have to do it a couple times, but muscle memory is a wonderful thing. Um, yeah, the gun katas were interesting. The, the idea of a gun kata is interesting. Um, there, there was some. Uh, yeah, it, you know, you you have to assume. What type of weapon? So when you say gun kata, there was, you know, handgun katas. There would have to be, like, rifle katas and those other types of things. But, yeah, if you're looking to, you know, mass kill um, people, I could see where, you know, one against well, a group, a gun gun kata could be a thing. I don't okay, know. Okay, so since I know very, if anything, about um, martial arts... What what's a kata? As you like say, a, you don't know, let me oh. d- define a kata. A kata is a <laughs> right. form, and it's basically okay. pretend you're you're um, being attacked by imaginary people, and so you assume like this kata, sword katas, for instance, um, usually assumed one or two attackers. You had one. I mean, the most simple kata in the world is 
you, in one motion, pull the sword out of your blade, kill the person, shake off the blood, and put it back in your scabbard. That's a kata. Um, you just kill the guy in front of you. Then there's other it's, katas. That, it, it's a series of martial arts martial techniques that are carried out in a sequence, sequence, and it's the same sequence every time, yep. and it's a way of teaching those sequences. Yep, and and, yeah. and embedding moves within those sequences. So, yeah, yeah. you have um, – it's – it's not so much that you would take a kata and go, okay, there's there's two people in front of me and two people behind me. I should use this kata. It would be yeah. that you would practice this form, which this form is built around, you know, two people in front of you, two people behind you, and you combine these moves one to another so they flow together and you understand yeah. how to do one to another. So it's it's and, it's like dancing. It truly is. Yeah, and, and because they're done in a sequence and you do it so many times over and over, like Julie said, it's just muscle memory. Um, right. I, got a, I had a friend who, when he was in Somalia, at one point he'd been shot at, and his his partner had happened to be facing the guys when they shot at them. And you're always like even for it's been years, but it's double tap down, dash down, crawl, observe, sights, fire. So it's a whole sequence that you just go through. And this guy did his double tap, ran to this wall and got down. And he said he looked my buddy said he looked at him and he said, Did I fire? And he and he said, Yeah, it wasn't me. I was looking the other way. And he put his hand on his rifle and he goes, Yeah, it's hot. It had to be me. Because he knew there had been two shots, but he had reacted so quickly. And it's all that it's 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 the same thing. It's being taught like a cat is taught in that so when you need it, you don't even have to think about it. Your body just does it. Bruce Lee always argued that he was um, going to if he ever killed somebody, he was going to argue in court that he was not responsible because it was a complete instinctual move at that point you know yeah because bruce lee's thing was like learn it all so you can forget it all right yeah yep yep and actually i was walking through the grocery store not that long ago and just farting around and just about cold cocks somebody i was with and i'm like where did that come from we were just (laughs) you know having a good you know nothing like killing your kid at the grocery store right you know so anyway um but yeah, so, so that stuff does get really buried deep down in into your subconscious, and you can't forget it. So, so the idea of a gun kata is interesting because it is. I would. I mean, I think it's perfectly legit. I mean, martial arts are everything from empty hand to all the weapons that you might find, you know, on a traditional farm you know well um, that um, guns that martial art that israeli martial art krav maga that's essentially sort of what that is because it's it's a martial art that's designed for the modern world with the idea that people might have handguns and stuff like that so it's it takes a lot of military martial arts and puts that into it so it's it it would it would be kind of like gun cut, I guess. Yeah, and and if that's what your job was, you know, to be this cleric and shoot people left, right, and center, um, it makes a lot of sense to me that you would, that would be what you trained in. I mean, right? You have to. Well, be here, good. Here's here's a little bit of dialogue from the film uh, describing this. It says, through analysis of thousands of recorded gunfights, the cleric has determined that the geometric distribution of antagonists in any gun battle is statistically predictable. Um, and there's more stuff here, but by the ma- the rote mastery of the art, your firing efficiency will rise by no less than 120%. The difference of a 63% increase, increased lethal Proficiency makes the master of gun kata an adversary not to be taken lightly. I remember that discussion. It yep. went by so fast. Uh-huh. It was like, oh, yep. but yes. And like I say, 
I kind of left out the middle part there, but basically uh, they're saying that um, I guess they're trying to apply science to this and saying that, you know, they're going to be in predictable spots so you don't have to aim just by use of, you know, your rote memory. You should just be able to go through the stances firing a crap load of bullets. Uh, it's interesting and, that they bring art to that because the other side right. of that is just, you know, automatic weapons. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> you don't need any art with that. You just pull the trigger and hold it and just <laughs> wherever. Um, so... But, but then it's supposed to keep him safe too, because you know they're going to fire at him in predictable patterns. So if you, the best way to stay alive is to be where the bullets aren't. Um, <laughs> that's so I, a, that's an old martial arts <laughs> axiom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh wow! I accidentally knew something. Yeah. No um, kidding. Best defense is no be there, Mister Miyagi. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So you know it's supposed to work on the defense as well as the offense. But yeah, when you got a gun spraying out bullets, and I found that final. Uh, Okay, again, suspend disbelief, but it was really an interesting battle at the end where he takes out, um, I forgot how many people he killed in the last battle. Uh, um, dozens. Uh, well, I think I read, was it uh, IMDB? Let's see if I can find that again. Here. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Preston, the character in this movie, kills 118 people in this movie, which makes him responsible for exactly half the total of 236 deaths. Who counted these things? Um <laughs> As of 2009, he continues to hold the third place record for the most deaths in a movie caused by one character. Um, nice. But I mean, you know, yeah, that's what I thought. J- John uh, Wick's got to have the record for that. Okay. Um, that could be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of <laughs> killing in that movie. Yep. Um, but, you know, the end, that end scene there, uh, you know, it's poetic it's fun to watch it's you know choreographed well again you know this disbelief thing is overrated right. but um uh i just you know when it starts <laughs> he slides those two uh you know uh yeah, clips but, out there right that was amazing uh because he knew he was going to be in that exact same spot so he can just roll tumble slap uh eject his clips as he's rolling and slap his hands down put them on there yeah, it's you know very beautiful to watch. Right, um, which I find interesting. As you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, this is funny because basically they're using an art form, which is beautiful to watch in right. a movie that talks about you can't have any feelings or anything of any beauty or anything that you might get emotionally tied to and like. And okay, you put do. it that way. The, <laughs> the irony, irony of that escaped me. Yeah, um, I did too until you said that. <laughs> oh, wow. Again, I keep stumbling into these things. I must be gifted or something. I know. That's what they call um, it. Yeah, and <laughs> they did make the point in this movie, though, that you know, you you uh, the killing starts out rather benign. You just see people, and then as you go along, there gets to be more and more blood. And they're trying to get people watching the movie to you know this escalating violence, trying to get them to feel you know what the character is feeling about you know what he sees and how to react to this stuff. So that was done intentionally that and that i noticed because that i I remember the first few it was like you know it was just very clean you know there were definitely Mm -hmm. murders being taken taking place but it it was just very sterile and towards the end it was yeah blood guts gore people in the face (laughs) and you know whatever Um, and but you know as blood guts and gore go though even that was i mean there are a lot more of movies that are much worse than that for blood, guts, and gore. But it did just, the, the violence did escalate. 
Oh yeah, I mean when they're shooting people and you have chunks of wall, you know, being blown out and you know debris flying across the screen. Yeah, that uh, uh, that that certainly escalated. Yeah, it was um, the the drug that they were giving them. It was odd. I mean, we have all kinds of time release drugs at this point that you know. It, Anywhere from once a year to once a week, once a day, whatever. Um, it was interesting that they had drugs that you had to take. Essentially, it, it appeared to me at least multiple times a day. Um, and and the idea that a yeah. drug that would um, you know squash your emotions wouldn't also squash like every other part of your brain um, is kind of I'd, well, uh, I, yeah. And then it begs the question, how do they get kids? Because yes, um, yeah, why would you have a wife at all? Right, because there's a certain amount of emotion involved in procreation and in, you know, marital, you know, unions. Uh you know, I've seen a few marital unions that didn't have a lot of emotions to it and they're, you know, kind of <laughs> sad and sterile. Um but I mean, you know, the act of, you know, let's say I have a little blue pill, which helps them out. Um, you know, there's a certain, uh, you know, emotional uh, component involved in our, you know, reproductive cycle here. And if you kill that, you kind of kill, you know, re- uh, I understand the idea of in vitro and all this kind of stuff. But I, I did actually find that odd in a, in a culture that doesn't want anybody to feel anything. Why would you get married? Um, the reason you would yeah. is because you have to have children. Somebody has to give birth to babies so that the society continues. And the reason you would have families like husband, wife, mother, father is to raise those children. There would be nothing other than just this essentially contractual duty that you had to accomplish for the betterment of society. Ew, you know. Um, yeah. But then, you know, and, you know, we said, you know, multiple times already, don't poke the storyline too much. But if you're going to do that, you would think if they really wanted to weed out emotion, they would uh, basically have a factory setting right. to raise these kids at nurseries yeah. with, uh, you know, almost automatonic uh, yep. uh, people, robots, whatever, so that these people, they would not be exposed to anything, you know, cu- cut the virus off at its source. And there are many movies that show that. I mean, Logan's Run's a great example. Where all the babies are in drawers, you know, Borg. Babies are in drawers. You know, there are no parents. There's no human touch there. So, yeah. I mean, how could you possibly be a mother and not give a shit about your kid? I mean, well, I mean, just from the physical demands and you know the whole, I you know got to get a. I mean, I just can't even imagine. Well, if if you didn't have that emotional bond, you wouldn't do it. That's just right. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why would you wake up at three o'clock if you didn't give a shit? You know. Yeah. Well, and like I say, for um, you know, guys need a little emotional response to kind of get you know the ball rolling, and and you know, when it comes to the mother, um, you know, there's an emotional bond uh, with the children that you know that I don't think you could even with the best chemicals you could bake out of their system. Yeah, it's it's well, going to be there. Look, I, th- I think the people in the movies, they're like actually either sociopaths or psychopaths. I don't know the exact yeah. definition, but there are people that like they've denuded themselves, taken this drug that they have no emotion. 
so they don't have so they don't have any empathy with anybody else so that I think that's what? pretty much very close to being a psychopath anyway. Yeah, why would you just not – why would you do anything? I mean if you were yeah. ripped of all like, human emotions, why would you go to work in the morning? Yeah, like I, I really don't see how a, a society even functions. Like if you don't have any empathy for anybody, then yeah, like if you're totally in it for yourself. And, um, yeah. Well, to use like, a movie-making phrase, what's your motivation? Yeah. yeah. Um, why? Yeah. Why show up for work? Why give a crap about your neighbor? Why have? Why have doctors? Because or, you know. The, yeah. you, or why not just kill everybody because you know you're bored? Or just kill or kill yourself? Yeah, like why, you know, why? Why bother living? Right. Right. And and that was one of the questions that it raised. It really did that. Very explicitly said, you know, if you are living with no emotions, and you know, so what is the purpose? Why? You know, the purpose is to maintain the society. The question is why. You know, um, and so the, that actually that conversation was explicit in the movie, and that is very much one of the messages that it's trying to get across. As far as you know, half more than half the reason we live is because of emotions, good, bad, and otherwise. Um, you know, you, you're always dealing with them, and you're always hoping for something better, but then something worse happens, and then it, that changes too, and. You know, it's the emotional ride that we go on as as human beings that makes us human beings. Yeah. Um, well, then in our notes here, somebody put something in, and I don't remember what it was. What was uh, interval? Interval interval was what they oh. called the prosium. It was basically, yeah. oh, okay. you know, have you taken your interval? Um, and, and okay. I, I think they were using interval just like – uh, like synonymous with dose, like have you taken right. your dose or have you taken your injection or have you taken your interval? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they mentioned in here the original name, it wasn't going to be Prozium, which is actually a combination of Prozium and, uh, what was it, Lithium? Prozac um, and Lithium. I, Prozac and Lithium, yeah. Yeah. Uh, originally they were going to call it Liberium, but apparently there was an antidepressant medicine by that name, so they kind of ran, ran in the trademark issue, so that's why they came up with Prozium. <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah just uh, the yeah. fact that they're they're creating this fake drug that uh you know actually exists all the, all the negative <laughs> stuff and then they're like oh yeah we have one name that, <laughs> that probably yeah. does something similar to what you're talking about right <laughs> yeah oops rewrite arts uh, imitating yeah. life so it is a good movie i do think it's a good movie and it, and it does make you think i mean it really does right. um and and it's it's very much the same message as 1984, um, almost to the same conclusion, um, but it tells it in a different way so that it's not like a remake of 1984. Um, yeah. It is It is right. kind of the same tropes and the, and the same themes and the same message, but a different take on it. And I thought it was, I thought it was good. Right. And, you know, depending upon, you know, how you feel about Rotten Tomatoes and some of those other sites – uh, they put it like you know in the middle, maybe somewhere in there. Um, let's see, thirty-eight uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and Metacritic was uh, thirty-three out of a hundred. But then Roger Ebert, he gave it three out of four stars. That uh, uh, Equilibrium would be a mindless action picture, except that it has a mind. It doesn't do a lot of deep thinking, but unlike many futuristic combos of sci-fi and FX, it does make a statement. So basically, yes. what we're saying there, yep. Uh, you know, it's 
a certain amount of substance, an interesting style. You know, the story, yeah, it's there to, you know, it's crazy glue to hold all this together. But. Right. And it's kind of a, you know, you could argue it's a kind of a lame story. It all boils down to boy gets girl again type of thing. Um, yeah. But it's, it, it doesn't come across as being lame. It comes across as being um, thought-provoking, I guess, might be the best way to describe it. Well, I don't even know if I would go boy gets girl because it's more like boy sees girl fry, right. tries to save another girl, sees girl fry, and in the end he kind of gets his emotions back and who knows from there. But uh, Yeah, I mean, okay, your wife gets incinerated and you have absolutely zero emotions about that. How do you feel about that? I don't know. What do you mean? I don't, well, I don't get the question. <laughs> it's like, what? there's just – there's just something about their choice of execution, which was, I don't know, maybe they did it on purpose to uh, scare the feelings out of people, but to be incinerated alive, I mean, yeah. um, apparently they want people to suffer. Yeah, that, that, I never thought about that before, because otherwise, if you're, you know, the clerics go out there and shoot you. Um, They'd be merciful. I was going to say, I guess given those two choices. <laughs> well, that was one of the things that I thought was kind of silly. Like they were saying, don't have any emotions. But then on the end of the, you know, the uh, the government or whatever, they obviously did have emotions. They were very vindictive. They were uh, well, like they were cruel and uh, stuff like that. They were not emotionless when they were, you know. Uh, like he, when he fr- met those people right at the start, he was toying with them, right? So that in itself is emotion. Right. And, mm. and, um, at the very end, you find out the father who's in charge of this emotionless society actually has his own emotions. Yeah. Obviously he's a megalomaniac. Um, so, you know, that, that's a message there too, that, you know, somebody, uh, in power is, is essentially, playing by different rules than you know they're trying to impose oh, yeah. upon everybody else so i was gonna say you see that you know in a lot of forms of government that the citizens are held to one standard but then you're ruling people tend to exempt themselves from you know the laws that they you know inflict on other people so. could could you actually have uh, a person in charge that was emotionless i mean would would that even work well, you could do what I said about just having some uh, AI, AI in charge. Right. That would be well, emotional. Which was we should... Transcendence, then. That's another single word movie. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, as we're talking here, um, I go to Goodreads and they give away books once in a while. And so I got this book called Weapons of Math Destruction. I should sit down and read it. Uh, or I started, I got a little bit into it, but it's how big data increases inequality and threatens democracy. I should read that and then see if we can find some movie that sort of ties in with it. Because, you know, they're in there they're speculating that uh, or postulating that, you know, to have a, a lot, they fall back on a lot of these systems, uh, because, you know, a computer is not going to have emotions, so therefore it'll make a good decision. But it's kind of uh, the same scenario of garbage in, garbage out. Oh, yeah. uh, depending what information you feed into it, uh, you may not get a completely accurate result out of it. But you're going to feel good about the result because there wasn't a human being involved. So therefore it must be, you know, true and accurate. And we put a lot of faith in that kind of, you know, analytics. But um, – Again, they're being programmed by humans. Yeah, Did I just observed something. Yeah, that's uh, that's something. I used to play those games. I mean, I used to do statistical analyses, and I can tell you right now that it all based on assumption and and right. um, 
biases that ideas. people come into it with. Yeah, it's you can you know statistics lie and and liars. Yeah. You know, I can't remember yeah. what thing my dad always say. Um, but, oh, there's. Uh, well, there's three sides: your your side, my side, and damn statistics, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was something yeah. about oh, oh lies, damn lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. I think. Oh, that's uh, Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah, there's another one. It was like something like liars do uh, math and math lies and liars. I can't remember, it, but it was basically two sides of the same coin. But yeah, it's the the the. The best use of computers and, and statistics and math, and it goes back to Star Trek, um, there's a reason Spock was not the captain, um, because he right. provided input and you know logic and whatever, and it was Kirk's gut or Picard's gut or Janeway's gut or Cisco's Cisco had a lot of gut <laughs> um, <laughs> with um, you know making those decisions based on things that sometimes could not be proven that you know it was a gut feeling um it was the the numbers don't add up even if the numbers added up so you know yeah so like going back to this movie the idea that somebody the person in charge would have no emotions would would you know honestly if i think if somebody had no emotions at the top those folks who did have emotions would have a an advantage I mean, I, I think if if you had a completely logical, you know, cold, sterile person at top, somebody, I mean, because they would be illogical. They would be unpredictable from their, from the logical person's standpoint. So, well, yeah. And I say, even though they're trying to get rid of emotions, I don't know that you could ever, well, I think they're trying to, you know, they say get rid of, but I think suppress emotions is yes. better because I don't know that you can yeah. get rid of yeah. them suppress completely. Better, um, far better. And you still need to be able to, you know, there's something to be said for intuition um, because even though you try to make humans predictable, life is not predictable. Um, and I think we need emotions to compensate our to compensate for certain situations like you know the fight or flight instinct is basically an emotion do you fight or do you flight a uh, fly and you know when you're in that situation your adrenaline's going to kick in your your emotions are going to kick in um, you're either going to get you know scared and run like hell or you're going to get nasty and you're going to fight but that's all based on an emotional response and um you know, it looks like the city they were trying to control everything as best they could. But I still think at some point human beings need that emotional response for survival. Yeah. Yep. And the idea of, of suppressing emotions, which is what was going on in this movie, because if they had gotten rid of emotions, there would have been no sense crimes. It was basically the drug didn't work on these people or these people, you know, it didn't suppress their emotions enough so that they chose to, like, the the main character decided to stop taking his doses and actually, you know, feel all the emotions that he was supposed to not be feeling. So, yeah. So what you're saying is this whole society was one vial away from collapse. Pretty much. And, and you know, let's talk well, about... They, the- they said that. They said that all they would have to do was cut things off for one day 
and that uh, human nature would take its course, right? That yeah. that would be enough to yeah. – they thought that would be enough to tear things apart. Yeah, and that was essentially the end of the movie where they bombed a few things and, and just disrupted the, the routine. And yeah, I mean – you, I mean, if if sensing was a crime and you didn't get a dose for twenty four hours, you'd have to kill everybody. You know, yeah. <laughs> so good luck with that because you're done. Yeah, and and then the, you know the thing about the final scene again, you know, shouldn't poke the story, but I thought it was kind of interesting. He just ran through and was busting screens, and all of a sudden the the hologram of the father disappeared. I didn't see him breaking any actual. Equipment. He just busted a lot of screens. Yeah, so. but it kind of reminds me of Firefly. You know, when you if you bust up the network center, you know the the broadcasting center. That's that's okay. essentially what would happen. And that, I got the impression right. that that's what that was was the broadcast center. Okay. Right. Now, like I said, I didn't see any actual equipment, but, you know, at this point, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's at the end smiling and laughing, and uh, you know, but now, okay. I don't know. It would have been interesting to see. Okay, the drugs are gone or they're out of their system. Does the emotion? Uh, does the pendulum swing the other way, and you have a bunch of psychotic people, right? Do people running go crazy around? and yeah? Um, and you know, did they say how long they'd been at this? Is it one, two generations? Um, well, if you I'm assume to... 2072 and they talk about World War III, let's put that – and the movie was made in 2002. Max is 70 years. Right. So we're maybe talking one or two generations. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if they – these young people who have maybe, you know, had their uh, emotions uh, suppressed from birth, how are they going to react when they kick in? Um I mean, are you? Yeah, are you going to have a bunch of psychopaths uh, uh, running down the street? Um, you know, all of a sudden they have all these emotions and they don't know what to do with them. And, what do you do with a baby? I mean, like yeah. even even the kids watching the kids in school. Um, how I just I, chill, the idea of children in an environment like that is pretty hard to grasp. Right, and you know, and now I'm sitting here thinking about. Uh, um, no, you can't Pink drug Floyd. all the kids at your school. Uh, no, the thought has crossed my mind. No. Especially Kool-Aid kids. Uh, no, uh, but no, the thought of uh, Pink Floyd's another brick in the wall, you know, uh, <laughs> with the kids singing in there, you know. Right. Um, and it did sort of have that kind of feel to it, too, that, you know, um, because it was about the strict, uh, you know, um, uh, unemotionless uh, British school system. Um and it, it kind of had that feel that the kids were all just sitting there, you know, doing their homework and their, you know, and just, you know, com- without any sort of emotions at all. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good movie, I think. Um, lots of things to think about. No real answers. Um, not, it, it, this is not like a, a universe, like an intellectual property universe type thing. It's not, there's, there's not going to be a sequel. I mean, you're not going to suddenly no. have 10 stories in the equilibrium universe. I mean, it, it was a single story to make a single point in ways that have been made before, but kind of a fresh take on it. Um, and I think it did a pretty good job of that. Like you say, don't poke it too yeah. much. But I think it, right. any any movie that gets – when you get done, you go, whoa, I need to think about that a little bit is a success in my world. Um, right, yeah. 
and it's not a time travel story that makes my head bleed, yeah. so that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, we kind of need to lay off them for a while and let my brain heal. But um, and again, the you know, and besides the uh, you know, something to think about along with. Um, like I say, the style kind of intrigued me. It was very, you know, stark. But, um, you know, Kristen Bale's uh, performance I thought was interesting. Well, all of the actors, I would say, uh, you know, had a solid – well, it's kind of hard, I guess – is it kind of hard not to have a solid performance when you're trying not to do emotions, or is that tougher? <laughs> it is tougher. Oh, I think, I think it's it would tougher. be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have to sit there all stone-faced. And... I mean, yeah, as an actor, you've been training you know, most of your life on how to portray emotions, sometimes even without words. And to have to wipe that off, I think, is the hardest task of all. Which is why, in this movie some of these actors got a chance to really shine because they were supposed to be, you know, stone-faced, but every now and then you'd see this little flicker of a smile or a, a glimmer in their eye or something, and that was the clue that not all is as it appears. So, yeah, right. I think from an acting standpoint, this would have been a good challenge. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the uh, this, the the style I just found, you know, it, it – uh, some – movies it'll uh, take out but this one uh, it, uh you know the guns i found kind of interesting and uh i kind of want to go back and watch because um they said in certain places uh it was and it was done after uh post-production but some of the muzzle flashes would do the uh the 4t uh sign of the their uh their cross or their logo or whatever you know right. i didn't catch that but i wouldn't be surprised because i do remember right. them being weird yeah, yeah, because they seem to go out um, yeah. uh, vertically, or you know, yeah, they're uh, like a 90... machine gun where they're kind of going out to the side rather than just you know to the front. Yeah, going out at a ninety degree angle. Yeah. Um, anybody else have any thoughts on this movie? Um, I don't think there's any technology in this show that I want. Not no, zero. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you know, unless they start letting me give stuff to the kids, but no, that's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. There really wasn't um, anything that was uh, sci-fi technology in this. It was really a dystopian future that had nothing futuristic in it. Yeah, other than like, maybe like the, in the way of technology, the dose, the the drug. I mean, that yeah. would have right. been well, a technology. But he, I, I was thinking even that, like we have drugs today that'll turn you into a zombie like that. So it, even <laughs> the drug really wasn't something that we don't already have. That's true. We just don't have a, that specific name of drug. Yeah, that does uh, that I'd, specific thing. Yeah, right. I really don't think I want a drug delivery system where I got to jab something in my neck several times a day. Yeah, uh, I, you know, and I understand that the insulin thing, but you know, usually they find a better part than jabbing it into their neck. There's just something about that. But. Yeah. Okay. Well. That wraps up uh, this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com, where there's some cool space junk available for purchase. Pop into the forums there and take part in the conversation, or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have any ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at SciFiTechTalk.com, and reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Jeff, where can people find you? People can follow me on Twitter at BroncoSire, that's S-Y-E-R. And Julie, where can people find out about all your current endeavors? I can also can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. Links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I might have going on is can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. 
And if you want to find out more about me, I you can follow me on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. Next week, we're going to cover the 2004 movie Sky Commander in the World of Tomorrow. Um, after New York receives a series of attacks from giant flying robots, a reporter teams up with a pilot in search of their origin, as well as the reason for the disappearance of famous scientists around the world. That's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. It's the sci-fi tech.